celebrating 50 years, ASCP is a membership organization of senior care pharmacists. Our mission is to promote healthy aging by empowering pharmacists with education, resources, and innovative opportunities. Learn more at ASCP.com. ASCP, experts in medication management, improving the lives of older adults. Podcast Network. Welcome to Senior RX Radio, part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Senior RX Radio is brought to you by the American Society of Consultant Pharmacists, the ASCP. ASCP is devoted to optimal medication management and improved health care outcomes for older adults. Learn more at our website, ASCP.com. Welcome to Senior RX Radio. I am Dr. Jaron Stout. And I am Dr. Joanne Pio. We are your hosts of Senior Rx Radio. On today's show, we have Dr. Michelle Lamb, the founder of LTC Pharmacist Connection, an online forum of over 2,900 current and future LTC consultants and dispensing pharmacists. She's also the owner of Box Glove Pharmacy Consulting. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. So first off, Michelle, can you just tell us a little bit about LTC Pharmacist Connection? I'd be happy to. Last summer in June of 2019, I started a Facebook group called LTC Pharmacist Connection. And the purpose was really to spread the word about long-term care pharmacy, really in the dispensing side, as well as the consulting side, and really keep the dialogue positive and spread the word about how pharmacists could still do their role and be happy in this amazing and growing field. Well, it seems you've also got a lot of followers. So what have you done that has been so appealing and gotten so many people to follow it? I'll be honest, it's a little bit tricky. I love to see the group grow, but I have some pretty strict rules about who can be a part of it in the sense that I really... We don't let recruiters in. We don't let advertisers in or anyone trying to market any certain product. I've tried to stay true to the mission of the group, which is really, it's just for pharmacists or student pharmacists that want to learn about long-term care pharmacy or participate. So I've never actually invited anyone to enter. But if I see that someone has a question about long-term care pharmacy, or wants to learn more about how to get into the field or how to help nursing homes or work in geriatrics, I might tell them about it. But I really try to let people find the group and let it grow organically. And then I'm assuming you're also the owner of your own consulting business. Did you start the consulting business after the forum or before? No, I've been in consulting full-time for about four years now. I run a small LLC and am a 1099 contractor with an amazing group out of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I currently have about 20 homes that I visit once a month, or I did visit once a month when I was allowed to go in before the COVID infection. Now we're, of course, working to reduce transmission. And I worked for a few years visiting these nursing homes, performing the monthly consultations. And I just saw on Facebook that there was a lot of fear, anxiety, stress, frustration 
in the pharmacy world, especially in retail pharmacy. And I wanted to spread the word about this niche of long-term care pharmacy, especially consulting. And so I really started the group just to answer some of the same questions over and over again. What is long-term care and how do I get into it? So even though I work, you know, I work full-time in the nursing homes with the inspection and the Facebook group kind of just started out as a labor of love to spread the word. I'm just so thrilled with how it's grown and blossomed and really become, I think, a wonderful resource for pharmacists that want to, you know, connect with each other and spread information about how to take care of our residents in the long-term care setting. Well, for our listeners who are not members of your group yet, how do you get started in long-term care? Like, how do you form that connection and start suddenly become a consultant pharmacist for a nursing home or an assisted living facility? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the first thing to do is, you know, not run towards long-term care consulting or long-term care pharmacy at all in the sense that you're running away from something that you don't like or you don't want to do. So I really try to talk to people about, you know, what is it like in long-term care? There's a lot of driving. We work in nursing homes. There's a lot of spreadsheets and chart reviews. So I really try to kind of say like, hey, let's talk about what your day's really like and not just try to go towards consulting because you want to run away from something else. But if you do want to go into consulting, I'm here for you. The group is here for you. A couple of things that I talk about is I call it the ABCs. And A stands for ASCP, and that is basically a wonderful organization that I'm not by any means associated with formally, but I really respect the personnel, the people, and the programming that they put out. The webinars, the podcasts have been fantastic. So of the ABCs, if you're interested in consulting, definitely A stands for ASCP. B is board certification. I think that looking at board certification and geriatrics especially is a huge, huge opportunity to really show that you are going above and beyond to learn about these subtleties that's required to take care of our geriatric population. And then for the ABCs, the C historically has stand for conferences. Again, these days, as we are sheltering in place or working from home, I'm not sure what that would look like. But if you could lean on webinars or any other type of CE activities that can keep you super current, then I think that's an amazing way to go. But as far as your question of, you know, how do you break into this new field, the ABCs, ASCP, board certification and conferences, which maybe now the C stands for CEs. Or current. Or just stay current. That's right. And network. You know, and that's really what the conference is about, is just networking and meeting people and not being afraid to say, you know, I'm not quite sure what I want for my future, but I feel drawn to the area of consulting and geriatrics and and really entrepreneurship and creativity And not being afraid to tell the world that that's what you want, network. And I think, you know, good things will come. I believe that. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. I think we do need more entrepreneurs to do the the consulting side of long-term care. You said that you've been in long-term for four years. Have you been consulting for all of that? 
I have. So I became, I've had kind of a, quite a variety of work experiences, including academia, independent pharmacy, hospital pharmacy. And I sort of, I have to say, lucked into the consulting position in the sense that I wasn't necessarily looking for it. I was looking for a transition from part-time to full-time. And I found an ad on a listserv. I didn't know what it was or what it meant. And I just kind of took a chance. And it's really worked out well for me. I jumped right into consulting. And I know that some people that work in long-term care, they may do part consulting, part dispensing. They may do it part-time or full-time. For me, consulting full-time has been really a winning path in the sense that long-term care has so many regulations that I love. I can just really dive into it and put my all into it. I think if I had to balance you know, filling a prescription on Monday and then going into the nursing home and doing a chart review on Tuesday would be a tough situation. So really being able to focus on it full time has been a huge blessing, but there's many different models of how you can make it work for you. I think it's great if there's even a pharmacist that works in an independent pharmacy and they just have one home or one assisted living that they're helping out. That's amazing. It's a great place to start and a huge way to make a difference. I could not agree more. This is just my opinion, but I, I think part-time consultants are, in many cases, not well-versed enough to be truly beneficial, as much beneficial as they can possibly be for these nursing homes who desperately need good, dedicated consultant pharmacists. So you dived right in and you've been there for four years. That's surprisingly. I've never met anyone who just dived right into consulting. Usually it's they'll work for a pharmacy for a few years and then maybe transition over. But what do you think has been the most significant in helping you to start your consulting business? What aspect has been most beneficial? I would say you really need to reach out for mentors. And to be honest, that's one of the best things about LTC Pharmacist Connection. I am not at all ashamed to say, hey, I'm the admin of this group, but I'm confused. I don't understand this F tag or I don't know what to do with this request or, you know, how do this director of nursing or this DON, she's really mad at me. I don't know how to fix it. You know, so I basically am one of the great people that benefit from the group I started because I could just reach out to thousands of people. You know, if I'm in a, a meeting, you know, a quappy meeting or a quality control meeting, and I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't understand the issue or I don't have a solution or I have 12 ideas in my head and I'm not sure what's the right way to go. I can reach out to the group and have you know, literally thousands of other pharmacists that do what I do and ask for help. And so for me, selfishly, I didn't plan it that way to start out a, a Facebook group that I lean on, but that's absolutely what's happened. And, you know, no matter if it's long-term care or dispensing or HIV or cancer, whatever, whatever is your niche, whatever way you're making a difference these days, just reach out to a mentor. Even if you've been doing it for 30 years, there's someone who's been doing it for 35 and they care about you and they care about the patients and are there to help. That's some great advice about getting the mentorship. So maybe we need to do an ABCM or maybe C. <laughs> I like it. 
You talked before about there's different models on how you can get into long-term care. So for me, I've never worked in a long-term care setting. So sitting on the outside, and I'm sure there are some listeners sitting on the outside, you know, we do the A, B, and we do the C. How do we start? You know, do we walk into a nursing home? Like, how do we start? What are the different models? And like, where do we start after we do the A, B, C? Yeah, that's a great question. So I would absolutely not walk into a nursing home. You know, first of all, you kind of can't these days. So it's a little bit awkward in the sense that if you're thinking about, hey, I'm going to wear my entrepreneur hat and I'm going to market and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to own it. You know, that doesn't happen these days. What I would say is if you can really approach your idea with the spirit of service of let's say education, for example, you know, we're in April now, but March was poison prevention month. And it kind of breaks my heart that I can't go into the facilities. But if I could, I was ready to go in with, you know, a talk about poison prevention and sources of Tylenol or, you know, the number 1-800-222-1222. I was ready to go in those assisted living facilities and work with those patients or those residents, even if they weren't my clients or it wasn't my facility, but just to go in and teach. Or, you know, let's say it's summer now and who knows what day it is or what month it is, but I know Christmas is coming. Let's say it's a new season and there's a nursing home in your community. You can always, in the same way you can adopt a family at Christmas, you can adopt a resident. Even any season, maybe they need a blanket or no skid socks or a magazine, who knows? But if you walk into your idea for growing your business with a spirit of service, whether that's education or just loving on these residents in this community these days, you can't go wrong. You'll meet the right people. You'll learn the environment and you're going to feel good about your work. And growing your consulting business or dispensing business, that will come. But for now, just do the right thing and you can't go wrong. That is very true. I think we need more emphasis on just doing the right thing for the resident, for the facility. I think a lot of people put a a heavy emphasis on just regulatory checks. And I think a lot of those regulations were created with a clinical purpose behind them. So as long as we are making sure all their drugs are appropriate, that we're getting rid of unnecessary meds, I think those regulations fall in place. We just have to focus more on the clinical side and utilize our training. And you said you're in Oklahoma? That's correct. Okay, but your group is based out of Louisiana? That's right. So I'm a 1099 contractor with a group out of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And so I have kind of the best of both worlds where I have sort of a corporate umbrella to teach me and train me okay, and um, help me find those contracts. But then I enter those facilities under the umbrella of an LLC. Okay. So it's a pretty unique business model, but it's worked for me. What niche have you been able to utilize to help your business grow? Like, for instance, if they are using their dispensing pharmacy, do you come in and say, I can help? because of X, Y, Z, and I'll do better than your current consultant. Is that the kind of, do you do any of that type of approach? I don't do that at all. What I would say is for me, it's a pretty, it's a pretty big statement to say, I can do better than your current consultant. Personally, I don't go there. Right. 
if they're happy with their current consultant, that's what I want. You know, I want them to love their pharmacist and know that that pharmacist or myself or whoever it is, we're there 24 seven, whatever that looks like. The way that I grow my business is purely through networking. So for example, I was literally in a gas station a few months ago with a previous mentor that is on the state board of pharmacy here in Oklahoma. And I worked for him as a pharmacy student 15 years ago and just chatted up. Hey, how are you doing? You know, what's your business like? How are things going? And this dear friend, Dr. Jim Spoon, you know, asked me what I was doing. And I told him I was in long-term care consulting and things were going great. Well, lo and behold, a few months later, he reached out and said, hey, you know, we're pretty swamped and we're focusing on the dispensing side. How would you feel about picking up a facility? I said, you know what? I'm there for you. And so for me, it's not about edging out competition because we're in this together. You know, if I want the other consultants to do well, I want the residents to stay healthy and stay strong. So for me, it's just about networking and being a help to other people. And then I think the business will will grow on its own. Other ways that personally, the number of my facilities has grown is just as the ownership group of say 10 facilities buys two or three more, whether that's from, I don't even know how they buy more, to be honest. I don't know if it's, there's some that are new facilities that they build from scratch. Others are just facilities that they've acquired. I don't ask these questions, but what I try to do is make my owners really happy and know that I'm there for them. And as they grow, I want to be a part of that. Very well said. I couldn't agree more. It's all about networking and building those relationships. And then if you're dedicated and you care and you do a good job, the network builds and it expands from there. And I've had that same experience where I, I just That's right. started one place and then it, you know, word spread and, and I was able to get into more buildings. In fact, I think when talking about networking, I also have, I'm an independent consultant. I have my own business. One of the most effective ways for me to grow, because I emphasize communication and collaboration with the physicians much more than any consultants where I live anyways. And I've now had physicians enter buildings and say, hey, I think we should hire Jaron. And that's been a huge bonus for me. So maintaining those relationships will help build that network. And if you're dedicated, like you said, it takes care of itself. Is there any specific clinical points that you try to emphasize every time that you feel are items that are often overlooked that may be affecting the the senior or elderly residents in these nursing homes? You know, that's a great question, Jaron. And I think like many pharmacists and consultants and just healthcare professionals these days, I don't know about you, but my world has been turned on its head with COVID. And Oh, gosh. Absolutely. But what an honor to hopefully, I pray, be part of the solution to keeping our residents safe and healthy. If nothing else, my focus these days is all about deprescribing. You know, I look at those med lists and it's almost like I'm an elementary school teacher with a red pen and I'm just going to town on it. You know, I've always had that in mind you know, what meds are unnecessary? How can we cut back? How can we avoid side effects? But just the last, just this month, 
that has basically gone on steroids where I would never, here's an example. I would never have flagged Zyrtec plus Flonase ever as polypharmacy. You know, I just think, hey, I use them both myself. I like it. I need an oral antihistamine and a nose spray. That's my world. But these days, if there's anything I can do to make that med pass easier and timelier where the med aides and nurses can focus on comfort and, you know, reaching out to these residents and having every day that they have in their room or in that facility be a little bit better. And if they not get in a nose spray that day, I'm okay with that. You know, if I can cut one thing back and help the facility take care of the residents, that's what I'm going to do. So from a clinical perspective, I'm just going to town on deprescribing. I got that red pen in hand and I'm going for it. That's incredible. That's exactly where I was going. I don't feel like we do enough getting rid of unnecessary meds. So that you nailed it on the head. That's exactly where I was going to go. So Jaren and Michelle, I'm going to phrase this question for both of you guys. You guys talked about things that pharmacists can do, positive things when entering into long-term care. What are some faux pas like, don't ever do this? Jaren, I'll kick that one to you while I think about it. <laughs> oh, that's great. So you want to know what are faux pas for the pharmacist to do while consulting? Or even when entering into long-term care. So we talked about before when we're entering into long-term care, you know, A, ASCP, B, we what talked about don't? B, and we talked about C, and we okay. talked about networking. What are some of the things that you, the don'ts? You know, it's such a unique setting. Like we were talking about earlier, there's so many regulatory requirements. There's so many different perspectives to consider. Don't go into it thinking that it's a cakewalk. That uh, like earlier, I heard Michelle say, don't go there just because you want to run away from another setting or condition or, or situation. Go into it with the frame of mind that you want to make a positive impact, go into it that you have a passion. Don't think that it's just this easy little thing to walk into because there there's so many things to consider. You have to consider an aging body. You have to consider the politics of the regulations. You have to consider the physician and their preferences. You have to consider the facility policies and what they prefer. And that is going to vary by building you go to. Every building has different policies. Every building has different cultures. Some buildings have a high Medicare count. Some have a, a higher long-term care count. Some physicians prefer Genuvia. Some prefer Trigenta. Some don't want sulfonylureas. Some do. And the list goes on and on. Don't go into it thinking that you can just blindly and do some blanket consulting like just treat every resident, give them the same blanket recommendation. Try to tailor what you do and utilize our pharmacist expertise. It's not easy to just walk into and, and, uh, and just do a blanket recommendation. We're trained to do more than that. If we as pharmacists are regurgitating data from drugs.com, we're not useful. We have to actually interpret the data and and apply it to each individual resident in each facility and, you know, base it on what the physician would want to do. Does that make sense? 
Yes, Jaron, I think that's great. And I appreciate the extra 20 seconds or so to think <laughs> about my answer. It's hard, you know, because you you really want to tread lightly because there's a fine line between helping your client who's the nursing home facility and protecting them from a state tag or getting in trouble with the state. You know, you want to be really careful and above all, keep the interests of the resident in mind. You know, if you can kind of keep that as your priority, then you can't go wrong. What I would say, you know, a faux pas, I think a lot about med errors. And I think it's not always easy as the consulting pharmacist to go in to a facility, you know, long-term care or assisted living and say, you know, what'd you do wrong since last time I saw you? (laughs) Tell me about your mistakes. Let's go there. And I think that's probably one of the most important things that as a consultant I can do. And I forget because sometimes they don't bring it up. And I have a checklist of things that I have to do by law. You know, I have the spreadsheets and the letters and, and the chart reviews and the labs. And and I have these hardcore numbers that I've got to crunch out as quick as I can and as thorough as I can. And I may, you know, not think about asking a facility, you know, what did you do wrong since last time I saw you? And med error is going to be at the top of that list. So I think having the professional fortitude to remember to ask them about that, you know, what went wrong and ask them, you know, what can I do to help you fix it? You know, if you hear about an error in MedPass, often it's because, you know, the med aide or the nurse didn't do something that they know they should do. And we've all been there. There is no judgment, whether it's matching the card to the MAR or doing things in the right order. Everyone gets overwhelmed and swamped and doesn't focus where they need to. But as far as a faux pas, if you can ask about a med error and then take it a step further, And look at it from the side of the dispensing pharmacy and say, is there something that they could have done to help you? You know, let me help you. Whether it's put two pills in one blister on a bingo card or sending over, you know, avoiding a liquid formulation in one strength and sending over something else or trying to avoid a refrigerated item because it takes more time and the med aides don't want to deal with it. Little things. So what can we do? Yes, the error happened. And it's a huge bummer. And yes, it's paperwork, but let's talk about it. And what can I do as your consultant from a big picture to help you so this never happens again? So I would say, you know, a faux pas that you want to avoid is not being afraid to shine that spotlight on what went wrong and fixing it, whatever that looks like. Right. And having a good way to deliver that to soften the blow. And also don't. So we're 1099 employees. We're not actually, you know, employed by the facilities. We're just contracted, right? But that being the case, don't ever view yourself as an outsider. View yourself as part of the team. Talk with the facilities. Talk with the physicians. Integrate yourself into that team. Consider yourself part of the team. It's a teamwork effort in healthcare. And as pharmacists, we often tend to be outsiders on just looking in and we have to be more assertive and utilize and show people what we're capable of. It's been a great honor. I think that your programming is amazing and I just really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me. Oh, shucks. Wow. Great answers. (laughs) Yeah. We should probably do a second show on faux pas. (laughs) Something tells me you guys will come up with a bunch of things. 
Well, we're just glad to have people like you coming on the show. Yeah, but great answers. Thank you so much, Michelle, for coming on today's show. It was great. Thank you so much. And then one quick question, Michelle, where can listeners join your forum? So right now, I would really encourage you, if you're a pharmacist or student pharmacist with an interest in long-term care, geriatrics, psych meds, deprescribing, opioid addiction, psych meds, any of those, come look for us. Our Facebook group is called LTC Pharmacist Connection. I'll be soon rolling out our Facebook group leading to a webpage called ltcpharmacistconnection.com. We'll find lots more information there with resources, hopefully some continued education and just really ways to help out the community. And then if you ever want to reach out to me personally, you can email me at michelle at ltcpharmacistconnection.com. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. It was a huge pleasure. I appreciate it. Thanks again for coming on the show. Thanks for listening to Senior Rx Radio. Be sure to share this podcast with your fellow consultant pharmacists and pharmacy associates to learn more about better outcomes for older adult patients. Join us on the web at ASCP.com. 